This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. I am your host, Tim Shields, and I am joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Wayne Breezy Brown. Today, we are recording on Saturday, right ahead of Game 6. Uh, Celtics take Game 5, 110 to 97. We thought it might have been a one-game fluke. Turns out it's not. This team is back and for real. This defense is serious. And all of a sudden, it's a 3-2 series. You're right back to where you were back in the last series against Philly. Going into hostile territory, need to win two straight to take the series. Yeah, I mean, Coach Missoula came out in the game four and said, you know, something about our defense. I got I got to figure out our defensive and in, in intensity or to end the game three. And they had to find their identity back on defense. And you started to see in game four, right? You started to see them force turnovers. Then they get easy buckets in transition. And then in game in game five, they just start the game off with a turnover. And what do they get out of that? An easy bucket and transition. Marcus Smart set the tone. You heard Grant Williams talk about Marcus Smart setting the tone. Whatever or whoever has to set the tone in this particular game six on the road in Miami, they must do so. I don't care who it is. And I like the fact that Jason Tatum started out very aggressive in the beginning, kind of cooled down, chillaxed, uh, and didn't really have to be needed much later on in the game because you had everybody playing their role. They were getting points off of turnovers. They were forcing turnovers. And then they were hitting their threes. And that's another thing that we have been missing from the Boston Celtics. I mean, Derek White, to me, if I had to break down and give people roles, I gave Marcus Smart the Tommy Award. Like, hands down, he can have the Tommy Award because Marcus Smart, again, set the tone. But Derek White was the MVP of that game. Yeah, I mean, massive. Eight of 11 from the field and all pretty much all of it from behind the line. Six of eight from three. And he had a couple that were just really nice. Marcus Smart found him. Pretty much every single teammate you can think of was moving the ball around. And what ended up happening was, was Derek White open in the slot. Nine times out of 10, he's going to hit that. And uh, he looked great. Uh, he had one particular one. I think it was at the, I don't think it was at the end of the half. It might have been uh, first quarter. Or literally, he just kind of like juked out. He did like a quick dribble, got some oh, yeah. space, and then oh, drained the three and like did it with such confidence and execution. Oh, yeah. It he's just looked so good. And this is why, like going into this series, there was a couple guys that we were going to be looking towards to be like, this guy needs to have a good series. This guy can swing it around. And you know, Grant's done it a little bit. Grant's looked good. Didn't have as good of an offensive game, but overall, energy wise and defense wise, he's been really present. 
but for this particular game, game five, Derek looked phenomenal and you saw what you needed to get out of him, especially with Malcolm Brogdon. Now, Malcolm Brogdon being out, this is going to be kind of tricky waters, right? And all of a sudden now these Peyton Pritchard minutes make a lot more sense. Yes. Um, Brogdon got hurt in game one. I guess it happened when he was boxing out uh, Kevin Love. But he'd been dealing with, uh, I guess, a golfer's elbow. I'm assuming that's probably similar to like tennis elbow or something okay. like that. But, you know, he had some kind of forearm tightness. And uh, after some kind of box out happened, apparently he's got a partial torn tendon in his uh, right forearm. So I think it goes from the elbow through the forearm. And now you've got a situation where he's listed as questionable for game six. And if I'm the Celtics, like, just don't rush him back because honestly, he was really, really hurting the offense, and it wasn't his fault. Like, we talked about, like, where's Malcolm Brogdon? Like, why is he not showing up? Of course, he's on the injury report. Now now we know why he wasn't showing up, and it makes perfect sense. You know, his three was not going down, not taking a lot of shot attempts, no points. He only played, like, eight minutes in game five, and uh, they made the smart decision to pull him from that game. And at this point in time, just run a smaller rotation or put Peyton Pritchard in for some limited minutes or get Sam Hauser in there if you want some three-point shooting, but... Let the guy rest, because there's if you get through this series, if you somehow manage to pull this off, you're going to want him for the finals, and you need him to stay healthy. And it's just, he's going to do more harm than good right now, I think. I agree. Like, the perfect analogy that I would use is, you know, this is a war, right? This is not a battle. I mean, you win your battles. The games are the battles. But if you're looking at the bigger goal, the goal is the championship. And so if you're trying to win the war, well, I mean, you have other soldiers that can come in here and do things. If you have to shorten the rotation, if you have to kind of expand it and give them a different look, something that they've never seen, you can kind of do that. And I'm going to go off the limb and just give Joe Mazzulla some credit because uh, when he, when he put in Brockton, you saw the offense go stagnant. He was trying to get his shot off. You can tell that he just didn't have it. There was nothing that we could say to kind of like give him some good boost his morale it, it just wasn't there you can tell he was hurting he was grimacing a little bit but he is a soldier and I do respect that from him but Missoula pulled him and never put him back in and then it made perfect sense because once we kind of gathered that lead we never lost it and that was the key and that Celtics basketball it's pressure 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 and I felt like if you know, Brogdon, as much as we love him, as much as we we appreciate everything that he did for the Boston Celtics and the fans this season, and I'm not saying the season is over, that one particular game could have hindered the Celtics just a little bit. And I think Missoula started to realize that, you know what, we got a pretty decent lead. Let's go ahead and get some guys back in here. And Because I'm still weary when he rests Jason Tatum. I, even if Tatum is not on the floor scoring, him being on the floor impacts the way the Miami Heat play defense, bro. And Bingo. so... There's nothing I hate more than zone defense. I mean, I loved it in the <laughs> 90s when Jordan and the Pip and the Bulls was running it and, and it was the 2-3 was crazy. But for some reason, like Boston has every I, I don't like agreeing with Charles Barkley, but for some reason he's been hitting the nail on the head. And I feel like he's like he doesn't get enough credit. He said, listen, the Celtics can easily beat the zone. All they have to do is attack the basket. And I'm like. Oh, shoot. That's right. 
Like they, that's 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 right. My my theory was to shoot out of the zone. You, you bring a big, you bring a guy in the middle that can score right there at that center of the paint. Jason Tatum did it in Game Four, and that's how we were able to close out that game. He was out. He came back in. He hit that shot. He busted up the zone, and we just went on a tear in that fourth quarter. And this particular game, it was a little bit different. And they did figure it out. But they have to respond to the zone a little bit quicker, especially being on the road. They're going to be at, uh, under adversity like crazy. The Miami fans are going to be there. Jimmy Butler already guaranteed them a win. They got to go out and punch him in the mouth. They got to punch Goliath in the mouth. And that's crazy because we should be Goliath. But because we were down 0-3, we happen to be the Davids. Yeah, and I think you said something interesting there, talking about Joe with Brogdon trying to pull him out. One thing I will say, too, is like Joe acknowledged it and was saying like, hey, you know, he's great. Whatever he can give us is great. You know, we know he's gutting it out right now. So that's important going forward, because I think right now Brogdon probably feels a lot of pressure to perform. And I think it's just kind of like, dude, like whatever you can give us. Great. We're not going to try and expect too much out of you. And I, I think for Boston right now, if if it means that you rest them a little bit, then sure. You know, at the end of the day, they did the best that they could to try and keep him healthy for the whole season. And I think they did a really good job of that. Sometimes like things like this, especially like a forearm injury, I don't even, I mean, it happened in game one, but it was bothering him before that. So I'm just wondering if it was because he was shooting a lot and taking a lot of threes and he's got kind of like a flat shot. This is just me theorizing and riffing off of this because he does have a flat shot, but he's taking a ton of threes. So I just wonder if it's something to do with that shooting motion that maybe just put a lot of pressure on it or something like that. Cause saying he's got golfer's elbow, which just means he's just using that arm a lot and it's his shooting arm too so he's wearing a sleeve a compression sleeve to try and help with it so he's doing whatever he can to play through but by all means if if you have to go ahead and pull him in order to try and get productive minutes out of somebody else or shorten the rotation maybe you go a little bit bigger you get grant at the four and slide everybody else down then just do that um just because you, you can't afford to mess around in this series and i you know early in the series when they put in pritchard it, it now makes sense why because you needed somebody to eat some minutes. It was a little weird, but you, you're just throwing anything at a wall to see what sticks. And you saw a little bit of Pritchard in game five. Not a lot, but, you know, a little bit sprinkled in. And I'm sure we'll probably see some of that in game six uh, for better or worse. And now you're in the spot where I think looking at Miami's defense and looking at the way that they're playing right now, I think they have cracked the code with that zone. And it did come from driving decisively. That was the big thing, right? Like getting to the basket, putting pressure on there. And I think you get the right idea with in terms of trying to have someone in the center of it. So like setting someone up at like, you know, the high post or at the elbows, trying to create the offense that way, because that's kind of how Rob helps in that regard, because he's a zone buster because he can be a lob threat, which means like when the defense collapses and they leave him open, you're able to kind of find him as a safety valve. Um, that's why like when you're starting off a game and your offense is having trouble getting going, it's so good to have Rob out there because it's basically like, screw it, I'm just going to throw this towards the hoop. I know Rob's up there somewhere like he's going to get this one and put it back. So it, it, you're able to go over the top of the zone, but it's when they're trying to swing it side to side and find a three, they run into problems because you have someone ready to just like go right into the passing lane and pick it off. You saw that with Jimmy Butler. You saw it a little bit with Kyle Lowry, but now this team is kind of forced to change their strategy as well. You know, as much as Brogdon not being out there affects the Celtics, Gabe Vincent is a massive, massive absence. Massive. Massive. Huge, man. Like, so he sprained his ankle. Wasn't anyone's fault. He jumped up for the ball 
Um, I think he went up for a shot attempt and then went up again for maybe it was like a tip or something like that. And when yeah. he came back the down, was blocked. That's what it I mean, was. The it was attempt like a, was blocked. I'm sorry. The attempt yeah. was blocked, and he tried to go up and grab it. And he came back down right on that ankle, folded uh, his left ankle pretty badly. And that was in game four. So he missed game five um, with an ankle sprain. He's questionable as of now for game six. But uh, Wayne and I, we were talking before we hopped on today. And I don't know if he plays tonight. We'll see. But it looked like a really bad ankle sprain, like a grade two maybe. Yeah, I'm sure it swole up like a like a balloon, right? Like and a so, golf ball. Yeah, like and you know they made mention of it the night that it happened. I mean, he went and got it super taped. So like when you get your ankle taped, I mean, you're getting it like wrapped very tightly. But then it's hard to like move. But again, it's basketball. It's not like football. We got to do a bunch of cutting and things like that. So it kind of sufficed. But you saw that he wasn't. He didn't have the same effect after the injury and he couldn't play in game five and it's a possibility that he doesn't play in game six um honestly and i'm not saying this because we're the opposing team but again you got to look at the bigger picture and you got to look at it as if it's just a war and these are just small battles they got good minutes out of uh and i don't know his name off the top of my head but they got some really good minutes hayward highsmith hayward highsmith out of hayward highsmith uh hit he knocked down his threes when he was asked to, got to the rim when he when he was asked to. And I know they play different positions, but they got the same type of production. Now, I do expect if Hayward Highsmith is out there and he gets the nod to come in, I do expect the Celtics in this game to find a way to adjust because that might have threw that might have been that curveball that sometimes coaches would do. Hey, you've never seen this player, so whatever we get from him, we get from him, and you're just not prepared. I think they'll be a little bit more prepared for Highsmith in game six. So the Celtics just need to come out there and be fully focused. I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, Reggie Miller came out and said what he said, and how can you disagree with it? I mean, you've seen basketball, you've seen teams win, in spurts, and it's we talk about basketball being the game of runs, right? And so doesn't it just seem like the Celtics are now the team running with it? I mean, they have the momentum. They seem like they're the team that's together, you know? And it, and it started with offense. It started with a piece of defense, good offense, and now you just saw a full defense with good offense. So imagine what this next game is probably going to be like. I mean, I expect the defense intensity to be on 100 uh, and I expect Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown to have a game. Like, at the end of the day, those two guys still can have games. And so it's good when you get the Marcus Smart production or you get the Al Horford game or you get the Grant Williams game because now you get to rest these two superstars that probably need it. Jalen Brown still does questionable stuff from time to time, but at the end of the day, he's a scoring guard and I, I shooting guard, and I expect him to do it. Like, that's kind of like what he is. He's going to take. Take it to the rim every single time he gets the ball. But the IQ, you can tell, is there. He is trying to make the better, the right pass, the right play. And then it's just times when I'm like, dude, Jalen Brown doesn't have to force certain things. And you heard Van Gundy say, mm-hmm. oh, man, he's trying to force these things. He did. Uh, but he, I, if the refs call a foul, I mean, he's getting, he's drawing the contact. You can't bank on the refs calling foul. But I think that's his mindset. Listen, let me drive. Hopefully we'll get the whistle. I'll get to the free throw line or get them into foul trouble. That's another tactic that we're not talking about. But the Celtics really struggle drawing contact for some crazy 
reads it or they just don't get the whistles. I think part of it's the whistles, right? Because there was a lot of contact specifically on Jason Tatum. I want to say in game six, right off the or game five, right off the bat, he got hit with that tech really quickly. And my first thought was like, one, yeah, he shot should have got a whistle because he got pushed in the back when he went up for a dunk. And you could see when he was hanging on the rim being like, what the hell was that? Because Kyle Lowry kind of gave him a little bit of a push in the back when he was going up. That should have been a foul. And it's a dangerous play. Mark Davis, however, is not going to give you that call because, one, he's stubborn as hell. And, two, he's one of those guys, when I see his name pop up on the report, I just know they're going to have trouble with him as an official. Mark Davis is one of those guys. Scott Foster, depending on what you can be, he's going to be on one side or the other, basically. Um, He's known as the extender for a reason. He extends series, and he was the official in game four um, for what it's worth. But, you know, they've got Zach Zarba tonight. Um... Piven, Ben Taylor, um, and I can't remember the other official, but not a terrible crew. Um, Zarba made me nervous when they had him back versus the Nets, but that ended up being a sweep. But looking at overall how this game's going to go, you cannot lean on the officials giving you the calls. And I think they started to realize that. They really started to realize that. Tatum had that one tech really early on in that game, and then it was just like, screw it. We're just we're just going to play. And I will say this, too, like they definitely got to the line more because they were being more aggressive on offense. And I think what helps with that, it all just comes down to that defense. Right. Because you start with defense, you you force turnovers, you force, you know, bad possessions. You know, you're fighting for every single rebound that you can get. You get out and running. The defense is not set for Miami. You can't set the zone. All of a sudden, you're attacking, you're slashing, or you're swinging the ball around. You find a guy open in the corner. He hits a three. All of a sudden, Miami now needs to try and defend the three, and they started to try and do that. And then what immediately happened was like, all right, you're going to defend three while you're leaving the paint wide open, so I'm just going to go ahead there and set myself up like a little nice timeshare. And that's what Tatum did too at one point. You know, took, took the ball to the basket and just went up for a nice dunk, and it's just this is the way you got to attack it. You got to make them second guess everything you're going to do on offense. And I will say this because you mentioned him. Marcus Smart had a phenomenal game as well. Five steals, huge on the offense, hitting a lot of shots, and he looked confident and good. And he 100% was like a tone setter in this game. Uh, I saw that. I don't know if this is all time. It's the first time in this postseason, at the very least. I don't think it's all time, but it might be that they've had four 20 point scorers in a playoff game. Um, and I think it was uh, Derek White actually led all scores in the Celtics with 24 points. So they're getting active production from these guards, right? Like right. that's the big thing. Yeah, and I you think, need that. I think you need it. I think I think that was Ken Marcus Smart. We know there are games that he can do it. If his mojo is working, if his confidence is up, if he's shooting. The only time I don't like Smart is when he pulls up and shoots a three. Yeah, early a, on. Yeah, if it's a ball rotational three and he's the guy that's open to bust up the zone or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm all for it, in or out. That's the right shot. That's the always the right shot. Bingo. What I'm asking the other players to do is just be alert because Smart will pass out of that to get the high percentage shot. Also, Grant Williams, because you touched on him earlier, Marcus Smart, to me, that's why I said he gets the Tommy Award. But Grant Williams... I saw lack of confidence in this game, but his energy didn't lack. Look, Grant, you're getting guys in the air. Step aside, take the shot. I don't care if it doesn't go in. There was one three he hit, and I'm like, that is the mother freaking man, bro. Like, I did not think he would shoot that three. 
and all game he would pump fake put the three put the ball up like he about to shoot the three pull it try to drive and nah Grant that's not your game play boy you just you just he looks phenomenal too by the way he's he was husky at one point now he looks good he slimmed down the past like year or so yeah. but especially lately it's tough when you're not getting playing time right you gotta stay in shape it's tough there it is <laughs> there it is but i'm saying that to say even like as a slim down version of him he just doesn't have the agility like some of the other guys that could put the ball on the floor and kind of like maneuver their way to the basket and so, like, Grant, man, if you get a wide-open shot, if you get a good look, just shoot it. The one thing that I've noticed in the Celtics, they're winning in this offensive rebound game. I don't know how. I don't even care how, as long as they keep winning. Al Horford, Rob Williams, these guys are tipping these balls back to get more shots. And that's where the Celtics are dominating. Find a way to – I honestly – I don't even know if I would change anything. And please let the refs call any type of whatever file, flagrant, technical on Jason Tatum within the first two minutes. Please, because then he goes <laughs> ape shit. Like, that's the Tatum. I don't know why it takes that to get him mad and to get him zoned in and focused, but that's what we need from Tatum. That's the Mamba. That's the killer instinct. That's what we need every single game, night in and night out. So whatever it takes for him to get to that moment, for him to black the freak out, I'm for it. Just don't get ejected from a game because Tatum will complain, and next thing you know, he's getting dumbass foul calls. So be mindful, but at the end of the day, they whatever whatever Tatum needs to get triggered, let's go because once he's locked in, it's a wrap. And he was making plays like crazy in this game. He had what nine rebounds? Ten. He was rebound. He was the man without scoring. He was he was also really close to having a triple double and like there an efficient is. one too. He was super close to it. And I think one thing with Tatum, especially, it's these elimination games, it's like. Elimination game Tatum is like legitimately a thing at this point because he'll go into these games. And now at this point, every single one of these games going into game six has been an elimination. And if they get through game six and get to game seven, that's another elimination game. So right now, the Celtics are four and oh, this playoff run in elimination games. And I think that I think Tatum and Brown are five and one in elimination games. Um, I think. Don't quote me on that. I remember seeing a stat on this because it was specifically going back to um, the Game 7 loss back in 2017 in the uh, conference finals against the Cavs. So right now, the Celtics are in this interesting spot where it's not like they have all of the momentum, but anything that happened before Game 4 doesn't matter anymore. It, it doesn't matter that you were down 3-0. You all of a sudden, it's 3-2. It's a brand new series. It's a position that you've been in before. And you've got Miami who says it quietly, you know, like, we're not doubting ourselves. We have all the confidence in the world. Why would we not have confidence? You know, everyone doubted us coming into this series. And what should come under that is maybe they were right. Maybe they were right to doubt you. Because, look, you had a 3-0 lead. You just had to put them away at home. You couldn't do that. Okay, go into Boston can't put them away and in both of those games you got outplayed you got out hustled you got outshot. they smothered you defensively you know you got exposed for you know they're a small for for as tough as Miami is they're not a big team they're not it's Bam it's Kevin Love it should be Butler playing physical Kyle Lowry obviously is a stout gentleman but he's not a tall gentleman so you got like guys who are very good at shooting threes, but when it comes to being physical, 
Like, you've got the size on him. And you saw that with Tatum defending specifically Jimmy Butler. He's helped on that a little bit now with that matchup. And it's made a difference. So if the Celtics bring in this energy going into this and they come out early like they have in these past two games and they punch him in the teeth early, you just got to survive that third quarter and then just just carry that momentum through. Because honestly, in my mind, for from a Miami perspective, Obviously, yeah, you want to win this game and get the series done and be moving on to the finals for the first time in a couple of years now. I personally think that if Miami does not win this game, the series is done. This is their game seven. Because if this comes back to Boston, tied series, that locker room is going to be broken. Jimmy Butler has come out and said, we're, we're going to win the next game. We're going to win the next game. He said that one Two, now going on three times where these these are games that you should win and close it out, and you don't. And I saw this one shot looking over at the team bench, and I'm sure you might have seen it towards the end of the game. They looked over at the bench, and I think it was like Caleb Martin, and it might have been like Max Struess or somebody else. They looked dejected. They looked defeated. Man. You could see it in their eyes because it's like the first time that they actually faced some adversity in the playoffs, right? Because... They beat the Bucs in five games. They beat the Knicks, I think, in six games. But overall, in that series, like they felt pretty in control. And like the Knicks were dealing with injuries and so on and so forth. They got like Miami's got that dog in them, no doubt. They've got a couple of real guys who can go out 100%, and cook you. 100%. But this, this series specifically, you go up 3 0, and all of a sudden you lose two straight and you look bad doing it. Like those games were as much as some of the energy and momentum might have felt one way or another. They failed to break 102 games straight. They got beat badly, and on the defensive end specifically, they were getting cooked. That does something up here mentally. That does something. Yeah, I just I'm 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 kind of hoping they come out with their same game plan. Uh, and you know, I want Kyle Lowry playing over Gabe Vincent, and I'm because I know I'm going to get turnovers. Uh, he's going to make some bad passes. He's going to force balls into places where they shouldn't be and the Celtics just have to play with the better IQ, be alert, play on the swivel and and do the right thing in those transition buckets. I mean, there was a couple times we had one, I think Jalen Brown, I'm like, Brown just passed the balls. It's like two on one, dog. I know yeah. you get one time he got the foul call. The second time he just missed. But at the end of the day, it's just like those are the those are the opportunities that I'm I'm hoping that the Celtics get in this particular game again their backs are against the wall because they're on the road. They're down two, three, like everything. So, I mean, come out clawing, come out scratching, come out doing whatever you got to do. Keep this game close. This will not be one of those lopsided heat win by 26 Celtics win by 22. This is not that game. This is a game seven in game six. So that's going to be blow for blow, pound for pound. Uh, quarter for quarter. You said it. Celtics got to figure out a way to win that third quarter. So if they stay at bay, first quarter, second quarter, get to the third quarter, find a way to go on a run and kind of take that lead and that momentum, they'll win the fourth because that's when your boy Tatum comes to life. And here's the thing, like, I know you said the momentum is not kind of like, we don't have the full momentum going into this game. And you're right, but the, the type of the momentum we have is a little bit different than with the Heat. Like, because you said, you looked at the guys off the Heat bench. They look defeated. They look deflated. They look like, what, what happened? I can't believe this is happening. Like, 
oh my gosh, right? It's a mental thing. And the Celtics look like they're just hitting their stride. And I will say this too about the Heat. They beat the Bucks, no Giannis. They beat the Knicks. I mean, there's not really a big superstar on the Knicks that they have to really kind of go against to kind con- you know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying those were easy wins, but I mean, obviously they were easy because they they kind of beat them very easily. But my point is, they come out swinging. You are you a fan of the Fast and Furious movies? A little bit. And Did you see my, any of the Fast and Furious movies? That's, that's yeah. So it's it's been a little bit, right? So I, I saw the first one. I've yeah. seen the second one. I haven't seen the third one in probably like 10 years. And in that okay. 10 years, they've come out with like at least like nine more. Bro, so it's, like it's been a little bit. So, so here's the thing. The only reason why I brought that up is because in the movie and uh, the cars, uh, there's this nitrous, nitro. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Damn it. Ni- I don't know. Nice. Yeah. 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 I don't know how to say it. Anyway, uh, you always see the 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 opponent, the person that's racing against one of the main characters, use it a tad bit early. I mean, it gives them the lead, but they use it a tad bit prematurely. It's possible that the Miami Heat have used their NAS and they're kind of running out of gas, and the Celtics are starting to hit that button, and you can see that they're the, the longer-durated team. Like, they have the team that can kind of withstand a little bit more. Maybe some of those losses we watched during the regular season were for a reason. It was to get through adverse moments like this. I hate it. I hate it that we're down 0-3. I hate it that we're down 2-3. But again, all the Celtics got to do is stay on their course, play great defense, move the ball, and hit open shots. And it kind of feels like when you look at those first two games in particular, because game three was a blowout, you just looked awful in game three. But games one and two were winnable, where it's like you had a third quarter collapse or you had a you know a lead late in the game and you just failed to close it out. It's one of those things where you have to take those kind of games because now you look at it and, yeah, you, you've got zero margin for error because you lose and you're done. But with Boston having the momentum for winning two straight games, like that does help them in the regard of every single game here on out is going to be an elimination game. And because they've had their backs against the wall, we started to see their best basketball. And even Joe said it as well. I think he said it last night was we need to bring it on the defensive end. We we execute on the defensive end. We bring that intensity, that execution. That's when we play our best. And like, oh, my God, it's like the eureka moment where he's been so focused on offense and you finally got him to do the one thing that you want him to do where it's like, hey, get on them about their defense. It. This is the issue that happened throughout the entire season where a lot of people had issue with it, specifically with the way that Joe was approaching things where it came to, I, we're, I'm not worried about our defense. People are like, well, you're letting up X amount of looks. Well, we're ranked this point in defense, and we're ranked in this point in defense because we're hitting so many shots. And it was really the offense carrying the defense. You don't have to play as hard in defense if you're hitting so many threes that the team just can't even react. What happens when the threes don't fall? And that's sort of what ended up happening these first three games. You saw it a little bit in the Philly series. They flip it around. They manage to take that series. Part of that has to do with guys just being tired and dealing with injuries. And the same thing that the Heat did. You know, you had Giannis get hurt. Game one, Miami Heat lose Tyler Harrow and the Bucs lose Giannis for a couple of games. He manages to come back, but half of Giannis is not going to win you a series when a team's got that kind of momentum, right? And the Knicks series, you had Randall dealing with issues, you had Brunson dealing with issues, and I think you might have had somebody else dealing with injuries as well. So now this Celtics series, it really is like the Heat came out and there was this mental edge that they had 
That was one thing we talked about frequently was like mental toughness. Now it's a completely different story because the Celtics had all that pressure on them and they're playing through it. It actually, it, it's pressure making diamonds at this point, right? Now you're looking at it. Now you're looking at it. And all of a sudden the heat got the pressure back on them because you've got this inkling of doubt trickling in. It's all of a sudden like, can we, can we really blow this right now? Can, are we about to, we're about to be that team, aren't we? It's a real thing, Tim. It's real. Very real. It's you can real see thing. it. It's a real thing. And um, don't come out taking Jimmy Butler lightly. He's going to give it. I don't care if he scores 14.7 points. He's still going to be in, uh, a, a pest because uh, Jimmy Butler's going to do what Jimmy Butler does. He's Find that dude. To, he's that dude. Find a way to contain Bam. He's going to come out with the most energy, but you can see that his, uh, they made a cool, cool thing about him. He's like, yo, his energy in the first and third quarter is off the charts. And then he it, just fades. It just fades out yep. second and fourth quarters. Keep that same trajectory. You don't got to change anything about him. I think that the Celtics just got to figure out a way to eliminate the help. And so you don't want Caleb Martin hitting five threes. You don't want uh, uh, Highsmith coming in hitting three threes. You don't. You don't want those three. Kevin Love hitting three threes. But you just don't want it. The Celtics can. They got to figure out again. They still leave shooters wide open, and I think it's because they double at the wrong. They their their rotations are a tad bit late from double teams, and I I just think maybe just don't give up the three. Give up the two. Don't give up the three. You know. Yeah. They were better in that, and I think in game uh, game five. I and agree. I will, but they, they took still out gave Max, up some wide open ones. They took out Max Struess big they time. Did. He looked he looked terrible. That was easily the worst game he's had of the series, and he was the guy who's been crushing it. Yeah, Duncan Robinson went seven to ten. I think I don't know if he hit a lot of threes from what I remember. No, but, but he was getting to the paint bucket, bro. I think they were living with that. I think they were like, oh, okay. if you take they'll do. I, you don't want to just give a guy a runway to get to the hoop, but I think they were like, this is better than the alternative of, you know, giving I, him the three. I, and I don't know. I agree. I guess I guess the the report would be make somebody else shoot the three. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it is for this. I think it kind of makes sense. The thing that was pissing me off was that every time the Celtics score a bucket, they gave up the bucket, and it was yep. him just driving to the bucket. And mm-hmm. I was like, this yeah, no, no, no. He had nine assists, too. He actually looked really good for them off the bench because they kind of needed they need another guy because you've bumped Kyle Lowry up and then you got to take out Gabe Vincent. So the, the cool thing about him is he's inconsistent. So if he gave you a good mm-hmm. game five, I don't expect a good game six. Keep him, though, from shooting a three off the screen because that's what he's going to do. Uh, he's going to come in. He's going to try to do that. Him, Struess, they're at home. So I expect them to hit more threes at home. Yeah, you hope not, but you have to expect this right, team to show up. It. Right. Yeah, I mean, they did, they did a great job um, these last couple games running them off the line. They still shot like a really good percentage. They still shot damn near 40%. Yeah, but, but they turned off the turned over the ball a lot. Yeah, and I will give the Celtics credit for that too. Forced a ton. I think they ended up wrapping up with 13 steals, I want to say. Um, they had only nine turnovers the Celtics and ended up forcing 16 turnovers on Miami. So... If you do that early and often, you force them out of their offense, you give them bad rhythm. It really is that first quarter setting the tone. And it felt very much like in game five that they won it early on. And you just let that energy and momentum carry you through. And if you can do it again, I know it's a tall order because it is Miami. It's the playoffs. You're going into foreign territory. Not foreign, but enemy territory. Enemy this territory. Is, it's a very familiar place to play with at this point. <laughs> it's been too many years. So... 
just go in and take care of business. And I think that's really what I have to put a bow on things for today. Taking <laughs> care of business every day. That's what the Celtics are doing. Uh, I know hashtag is unfinished business. How about take care of business? Amen to that, man. I like yeah. that much more. <laughs> that's perfect. Anything else you got for me today before we wrap it? No, man. Celtics, they win game six. They win game seven. They'll be in the finals. Simple yep. as that. Just got to take care of business. <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap up for today. This has been another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. We'll catch you next time, and hopefully we'll be talking more basketball. So cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com Boston and make every moment more on America's number one sportsbook.